over 300 days I've been running this podcast, I've mainly tried to stay away from topics concerning war. We've sort of gotten into Russia-Ukraine conflicts, but that's pretty much where the list ends. And what happened this week doesn't happen every day, every week, every year. It doesn't even happen every five years or ten years. It only happens every couple of decades. It's a very rare thing for a country, especially a country as controversial as Afghanistan, to be taken over for the second time by the same people. We all know what happened on 9-11. Terrorists had hijacked four different planes and had steered two of them at the Twin Towers in New York. One struck the Pentagon and the other crashed in a field in Pennsylvania. These events changed the course of history forever. President Bush, the current president at the time, declared a war on terror, sending thousands of troops to Afghanistan. During Bush's time in office, the Taliban did offer to surrender. The Taliban was this party government, sort of like a dictatorship that was in lead at the current time in Afghanistan. And they did offer to surrender. And they just declined that surrender. Now looking back, that may have been a humongous mistake. This war could have been ended 20 years ago. President Obama, he also inherited this war, sending in 30,000 additional troops. And Trump also had to deal with the war. But Trump and many other Democrats and Republicans at the time, they wanted to end the war because it was nearing the 20-year mark since the war started. Thousands of lives had been lost. Trillions of dollars had been spent on this war. And it never really seemed to end. The Taliban, they never offered to surrender again. And if anything, they got much stronger. And Trump decided that we really needed to get out of this war, which overall wasn't a bad choice. People wanted to get out of the war. But the, pe- the, but the deal that he made with the Taliban was horrid. Essentially, what the Taliban had to do was release 1,000 prisoners, while the U.S. had to release 5,000. And on top of that, all the Taliban had to do was to make sure that there were no terrorists that took refuge on Afghan soil and the Taliban are basically terrorists, and that the Taliban would start peace talks with the Afghan government. There wasn't even any guarantee that there would be peace between the Afghan government and the Taliban. And, of course, there wouldn't be any peace. This was a group that had spent the last 20 years trying to take over Afghanistan. In fact, the Taliban, they didn't even stop attacks on the Afghan government during the talks. If anything, they struck harder during the talks. Now, it's a bit absurd that a country such as the USA, a global superpower with the best economy in the world, would actually agree to terms in the favor of some fighting group arranged by people local to Afghanistan, most of which aren't even educated. But it happened nonetheless due to the amazing dealmakers of Trump's White House. They're they're amazing. They're so good. I'm being sarcastic, by the way. And uh, did I forget to mention that the U.S. also had to leave the country in just over a year? I mean, just think of it. This group, it had fought the world's most powerful military for 20 entire years, and that just with some peace talk with the U.S., they would just miraculously give up and go for peace with the Afghan government? I mean, in 2001, when they offered to surrender, they might have been willing to arrange peace, but now they're battle-hardened. They're not going to give up. And the deal was made and the U.S. already began the process of leaving the country. There was no stopping. Speeding up to Biden's terms, there are less than 3,000 troops in Afghanistan. Biden, he does criticize the deal, but he agrees to continue on with the terms, but making a change to the withdrawal date. 
Biden changed the withdrawal date to September 11th on the 20th anniversary of 9-11, the event that started this entire war and changed America's history forever. Obviously, things were fairly low-key for the next couple of months, with Afghanistan mostly staying out of the news for a while. July came, Biden changed the withdrawal date to August 31st, and around this time, congressmen and women started criticizing Biden for this ongoing withdrawal. They thought that Afghanistan would be taken over, and Biden, he did assure the public that it was unlikely that the Taliban would take over. But no one took too much comfort in that statement. It was August 6th when the Taliban took over the first province, which is kind of just like a state. And it was seven days later when the Taliban took over the second largest city in Afghanistan, being named Handar. At that point, it became evident that Kabul wasn't much long away from being taken over. And once the capital is done for, that is the biggest sign that the rest of the country won't last much longer. The Afghanis who lived in Kabul were desperate for escape. Obviously, seeing this group that did previously have control of Afghanistan and had been especially cruel to women, only letting them leave their houses with a male accompanying them, allowing very few women to work and own businesses, not allowing women to get an education, and publicly humiliating women. In addition to that, the Taliban didn't allow for any organized sport, they didn't allow any music or television, and especially didn't allow free speech. These are all rights that we take for granted, but were a blessing for the Afghans for around the 10 years they had it under U.S. power. Now, taking this all into account, who wouldn't want to seek a better life in a different country? There will be challenges, learning the culture and the language of that country, getting a job, and making a living in that new country. But obviously, the people of Afghanistan thought that was a much better alternative than living under the Taliban, which I would personally agree with. Except there was one problem. Pretty much all commercial flights were canceled. So the only flights that were available to the public got canceled. Now, what about going out on foot or a car or another form of land transportation? Can't happen either. Kabul is surrounded by the Taliban. Pretty much the only option left is to stay and see what happens. The 16th of August approaches, and the president of Afghanistan, Ashraf Ghani, flees. The president, who's made it his solemn duty to defend the people, flees. He claims in a pre-recorded message it was to avoid bloodshed, but it's obvious that wasn't the case. The U.S. Embassy in Kabul, which is basically a place that the federal government owns in Kabul, it's like a place where they issue visas and other stuff, was ordered to burn all confidential files, and they took down the flag of the United States. The Taliban entered the city, and you might expect some sort of epic battle or something like that, but they enter without facing any opposition from the army that was supposed to protect Kabul or anyone else. This was probably a better outcome, though, because if there was bloodshed, that would be horrible for the people of Afghanistan, and the Afghanistani army, they didn't have any motivation. They frankly didn't seem to care about a government with no president to back them up. So the Taliban were let in. They actually got a warm welcome by some as they marched through the seats, streets I'm sorry, on their way to the presidential palace. And there's a now famous picture of all of these Taliban fighters sitting on and surrounding the president's office chair and desk. Quickly, 
the backlash started, most attacking Biden on how he handled the situation, with others also pinning the blame on Trump's horrid deal, or just flat out on both. Biden did say that the takeover happened much quicker than anticipated, which is true. I mean, the entire country got taken over in, what, 10 days? That's... That's crazy with the speed that the Taliban managed to attack Afghanistan. I don't know how they did it. They must have... It, it's hard to believe that they did it so quick. They must already have some connections in some regions, so some got taken over quicker. But point is, it got taken over so quick. And the Afghan army, they outnumbered the Taliban 4-1, to but they simply didn't feel like fighting. And there's nothing that Biden could do about that, which is what he said. But the thing that comes out on top of all of this is that why did the U.S. just leave Afghanistan in this condition? Why did they start evacuating if you truly cared about this country and stayed for 20 years? Why would you leave them in this condition? Obviously, both of the armies were closed. There should have been at least some indication of what motivation um, the Afghan army had. I mean... Why did you just leave them in this sort of situation? Of course, it was going to collapse quick. But there's also fault on Afghanistan side. They put way too much trust and pressure into the United States. They expected them to deal with everything, which can't happen. I mean, Afghanistan isn't United States country. They're two different things. The United States also has their own problems to deal with. So it's, it's a massive fault on both sides. And so moving on. The U.S. started rapidly evacuating the remaining U.S. troops in Afghanistan. And the issue also arose uh, about all of these translators and other Afghanis who helped the U.S. in the war and how to get them evacuated, as where there was a fear that the Taliban wouldn't be forgiving to the people who helped their primary opponent. It was also during this time when the Taliban started doing many interviews with the news and even arranged their first ever press conference. During these interviews and press conferences, the Taliban started telling the world that this time they would be different. Women would be allowed education, that they would forget the past and forgive, and that they would start a government that involved the select council of the people of Afghanistan. Saying things and actually taking action, however, are two different things. As where there were reports of the Taliban threatening women journalists, there are also reports of the Taliban hunting down those Afghanistanis who helped the USA. So, are the Taliban really going to change? There are people, however, that are fighting the Taliban. Some good, some bad. There are fighters in the North Panjir Valley, with two prominent leaders amongst them. One of them being the current official Afghan president. He was actually just a vice president, but he didn't flee. And so when the president left, he had to take over. Now he's the president. And there's also the son of Afghanistan war hero, Ahmed Shah Massoud, who fought off the Soviet Union when they invaded. And he also fought off the Taliban back in the late 1990s. And this, the son, Ahmed Massoud, he actually wrote this interesting opinion on the Washington Post asking for the U.S. to help the resistance against the Taliban. And it's... Not something that's been confirmed if the U.S. has actually helped. It will be risky involving the U.S. back into a war that they just left. It's weird. But there's also the bad. ISIS-K is a terrorist group that is located in Afghanistan, and they are a sworn enemy of the Taliban. They conducted a bombing at the Kabul airport, a place that has been swarmed by people trying to escape, and soldiers from the United States are also guarding the airport there. 13 U.S. servicemen and women died, as well as 170 dead Afghan civilians.
What strikes me odd is why would a group that's enemies the Taliban, not the general public, detonate bombs at the airport? It really doesn't show that you're extremely powerful or something, or that the Taliban should watch out. It's just cruel to go after defenseless and unprepared civilians, as well as U.S. troops in the area. Today is the 31st of August, so the final day that the U.S. could take to evacuate troops, Afghans who helped, as well as refugees who wanted to take refuge in the United States. The evacuation was completed last night. Depends on when you're listening, but for me, it's last night. And all Americans are out of Afghanistan, bringing an end to America's role in this two-decade-long war. No one is certain what the future holds for Afghanistan, as where history has shown, no one can occupy Afghanistan for long. The Soviets tried, then the Taliban, then the U.S., and look at all of that now. All hope isn't lost for Afghanistan, though. The resistance in Panjshir Valley that we talked about earlier is gaining back some territory and bringing back hope to the people of Afghanistan. And this really will show what the Afghanis are willing to do and what they can do to earn this gift called freedom. Because as Peter Cropton said, the hopeless don't revolt because revolution is an act of hope. This week's episode may be over, but that doesn't mean you can't still take action. Call your local congressman or woman and tell them to make bills or vote for bills that don't support the Taliban. You can also donate to organizations that are putting an effort into helping the civilians in Kabul and all of Afghanistan. But the best thing you can do is educate people on this issue, because the more people know the better we can act. I'm not going to ask you to do the things that I usually do at the end of my other episodes. What I'm asking you to do in this episode is to take action for the people of Kabul.